Welcome to a new episode of the Sunday Sauce. I am sitting here talking to Cicely Davis. She is a conservative Republican running against the feared squad member that everybody fears, Elon Omar. Elon, I don't even know how to say her name, but she is a dastardly person. Welcome to our show. I hope you really beat this woman. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, she's a horrible person. But I, I always wonder, how does she keep getting reelected? Can, can you explain this to me? Yeah, thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much to all your listeners and viewers. Let me just start out by saying no fear here. Um, this is a fearless, tireless campaign. Um, and we are going up against someone who actually does not deserve leadership in um, our U.S. Congress, let alone um, to tout out as um, someone who's actually patriotic because she's clearly proven that she is not. Um, no appreciation for America. Um, she, the way she wins is um, what we like to describe as, um, you know, white guilt. Um, my district is made up of 63% white liberals um, and for the population and a majority of them um, you know, they believe in white fragility, they believe in white privilege, they believe in, you know, the notion that, uh, you know, police officers, um, you know, take out and um, they, they, they focus on um, black citizens and um, disproportionately arrest or abuse them. And so because of that core belief system, someone like an Ilhan Omar who comes in with a message that sounds promising right. um, and she says all the right things when she's new, um, makes them feel good. It makes them feel absolved of their guilt. And so they run in and they cast their vote um, for an ideal versus the actual reality. Interesting. See, so now <clears throat> I have personal problems with Rep Omar because uh, I'm a former FDNY EMT for five years. I did, you know, five years on the ambulance and uh, she kind of writes off 9-11 when she was asked about it. She just says some people did something. This is an exact quote from her. And, uh, you know, uh, being a lifelong New Yorker, that kind of hits home to me. I have family that are firemen that lost their brothers that were disintegrated in uh, the World Trade Center. And for someone like to some uh, representative in the House of Congress to say that is is actually atrocious and they should they should be removed. I, I, I literally don't understand. Right. So, you know, that is, you know, and I actually had a video about this where um, for 9-11 because of our 20 year anniversary. So once again, I would like to say to you, Thank you so much for your service. And, um, you know, obviously a tragic, tragic day for Americans and um, something that we should never, ever forget. Um, you know, what I stated was that the enemies within America are within. Um, they, these people are within. They're within our system. Um, and so we have to work hard. We have to stand together um, and get these people out. We have Congress leaders. We have congressmen and women in our Congress. Um, in the American Congress who actually hate America. They want to tear down our statues. They want to completely dismantle 
and disrupt our principles and those things that make America stand out and makes us exceptional. And so this is very disheartening. It's misleading to our up and coming um, young citizens and for the future of America. And so that to me was so offensive. Some people did something. When you think about the impact of September 11, 2001 and the impact that it had on us as Americans and those who actually deliberately attacked us on our own um, soil for someone to have so little regard to the lives that were lost. This is unacceptable. And this is the kind of leadership that if we don't stand up and wake up and figure out a way to come together, um, <clears throat> we will lose what is um, what our standing on the globe and being number one and setting a precedent for the globe. And we just simply can't afford it. Right. So uh, another thing, not only is she anti-American, She's very anti-Semitic. Like she has, she, obviously she's been very outspoken. Not only her, her whole little squad, AOC, uh, Rash Rashida Talib, right? That's her name, I believe. They're all, they're, they're all very anti-Israel, uh, anti-Semitic, very pro-Palestine, which is, you know, there's no problem with being pro-Palestinian. Of course, you know, there's, there's Palestinian people right. in America. There's no problem with being pro-Palestinian. We have no problem with Palestinian, but you could also be pro-Palestinian and not anti-Israel because here in America, Palestinians and Israelis get along, right? We, we know this, like this is, this is America. So right. um, for, for even her, and she's on a committee where that oversees those kinds of relations. So I, I, I that's, this is like, we, we need somebody like you who just, you know, has no bias to anybody to just really win and get this this lady out of here. And I, I don't understand like why her district, I know you explained it, but um, I know there's a lot of independents in Minneapolis, right? Is that is that what the right. problem is here? It's hard to turn the, the independents towards conservatives? Because I've never been to Minneapolis, so I don't, I'm not sure. Oh, gotcha. Well, yeah. you know, the constituency here, um, like I said, is predominantly liberal. Um, we have a very significant independent voting um, community. We have um, people who are considered undecideds um, and we have moderates. And I think what's happening is because of the top leadership in our country right now, the, the tanking approval rating of Joe Biden and Kamala Harrison down to 42%. And, you know, this this week has been a, you know, exceptionally terrible week for Joe Biden and his administration with inflation up the highest it's ever been since 1982. That's a 40 year high of 7 percent. Um, I, I just watched before I um, tuned into here that the household um, uh, debt is actually increasing. So in spite of all the stimulus that was received from everyone, um, household debt is actually increasing. So people are now going back to relying on their credit cards. So right. these are kitchen table issues that people are starting to care about. And they realize, you know what? I may feel a certain way about white fragility or white privilege, but at the end of the day, what really matters is pocketbook, kitchen table issues, how much I'm paying at the gas pump. You know, how much it costs for me to feed my children, diapers and formula. And then it carries over into those family financial electives. You know, can I keep up with, you know, the gymnastics and paying for hockey and the fees for the Taekwondo tournament and, you know, being able to pay for my kid to go to camp for baseball. Those things are going to be, you know, they're going to have to, families are going to have to sit down and decide whether they can keep and if they can, how creative they can be financially to maintain those kind of things. 
those at the end of the day is what people really care about. Mm -hmm. Ilhan Omar does not care about those things. And so she's shown to this constituency that she really does not care about what they actually care about. And I'm telling you, there will be a turnaround. I, I I hope 2022 is the red wave like they like they claim it will be because uh, America is in dire dire trouble. Let me tell you, uh, right now with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. I watched her interview the other day. I I think it was on um, NBC or she couldn't even answer very simple questions. And uh, the things she was saying were quite alarming. This is a vice president of the United States. Uh, it's it was very disturbing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, um, while we're on the topic of cost of living, so in Minneapolis, right, in New York City, during the pandemic, rents went down. But right now, the cost of living, the rent and all that, it's back up. So we'll say a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan is now $2,100, let's say, right? What, sure. what is that comparable to, to, to your district? What's like the rents over there? you know, coming from an outsider. I've never been there. Yes. So we're not quite as high. We're just under though. If you live in Minneapolis and that's, what's interesting is that it's more costly to live in urban areas. So Mm. in Minneapolis, we're about, you know, 1100 or so um, would be for a very small. um, But if you want a full size apartment, we're about comparable with New York. And so it's costly to live in Minneapolis. And so when you talk about Um, really caring about the people, when you talk about inflation, when you talk about, um, you know, having a livable wage, um, those issues really, really matter because you're talking about people being able to survive. You're talking about basic needs, being able to live, pay rent, mortgages, you know, car payments, you know, how much they're earning, how much they're retaining from their paycheck so that they can put away for children's futures and things like that. And so, you know, when you have leadership who put a, put forth policies like Ilhan Omar, where she's talking about defunding the police, which the people, ad, you know, adamantly came against her in November of, um, of election Tuesday on November, this past November, um, and people don't feel safe, you know, businesses no longer want to be in Minneapolis. So you're seeing a mass exodus of businesses. And so how do businesses survive if they can't get workers and they can't get people to um, participate in the workforce. A business doesn't want to remain in a business district where they don't feel safe, where there'll be carjackings and your employees, if you're able to get them, are afraid to walk across the street or up the block to the parking ramp because they're afraid of being carjacked. All of these things are relative and these are the policies that Ilhan Omar puts forth and she represents. And so I'll tell you this, What's going to have to happen in this district is that the majority, because my base, my my supportive base here is 22 to 23 percent conservative Republicans. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to get the, the majority of the constituency. And we're talking about that 63 percent population. They're going to have to participate with me in changing the trajectory of this district. They can actually make history if they join with me and decide, you know what? We're done playing politics. We do care how much we're paying at the gas pump. We want to be able to afford groceries. We're going to join with candidate A or B, depending on who has the better policies. And that's the way we're going to vote. We're going to get away from identity politics here and go with the best candidate. And if they do that, then Cicely Davis will be the congressional um, representative for CD5 Minnesota in um, in Washington, D.C. come November. We we can only hope. We can only hope. This sounds like the narrative... I've interviewed um, 
a few uh, congressional candidates running against these same types of liberals. I uh, just interviewed Billy Prempe in New Jersey and Rick Maida in New Jersey. They're both running against the same, you know, progressive, very far left people. And, uh, you know, you guys all have the same plan. And, you know, I just don't understand why these people, because, you know, they say common sense isn't so common anymore, right? Right. <laughs> so that's, and we that's, need to get that back. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> seems to be the problem. But do you think now Rep Omar has more, because, you know, she's very anti-police, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. they all are these these leftists. So after the whole George Floyd situation, do you think she has more support in from you know her voters with the whole, the whole anti police movement? Or now, since Minneapolis basically just went on fire and people are starting to realize they need the police back, do you think now they're more against her? What what did you take on that? Yeah, thank you for asking. That's a really important question. And, and I do hope people from my constituency are listening or and that your people can get out and get the word out. They are more against her. And here's why. Unfortunately, because this um, issue has spilled over into the suburbs, the more affluent areas, now there's a real awakening. So, so what we like to say, what I've been saying in this campaign is that, you know, the constituency those who are part of the majority, okay, that 63% that we're talking about, they kind of felt that they had this um, insurance policy, right? So I have my Black Lives Matter sign in my window. I have it in my car window. I have it on my yard sign. So that kind of protects me. But once that did not protect them, and now there's carjackings in the suburbs at affluent grocery stores, Mm. now there's a real awakening. Um, And they realize that that's not enough of his insurance card, that if you simply do not hold criminals accountable, they have no loyalty to anyone. And so because of that, because they have actually um, been victims to these violent crimes, now there is an awakening. And I personally, I'm certainly not um, someone who feels good about taking advantage of that because I certainly don't want crime to come to anyone. What I'm saying is that that has been the issue all along, that that's been happening in the near inner city here in the core of North Minneapolis and Minneapolis. And now that it's spilled into the suburbs, this is an opportunity for all of us to get together in this district to say enough is enough. We need leadership that actually represents us, who's interested in us as citizens and us as business people. We want a safe district. We want education that gives our children the opportunity to dream dreams and have a future. And we want to revitalize Minneapolis and feel safe about visiting again. I mean, of, of course, of course. I mean, but the, has your local Black Lives Matter chapter labeled you a black supremacist yet? They have not as of yet, uh, but I'm sure I mean, it's that's coming. coming. I'm sure it it's is. coming. Yes. It absolutely yes. is coming. Yes. Yes. And I'm I'm absolutely prepared. So. Of, I mean, of, of, you know, <laughs> it, it's just so funny that um, everybody that is a minority is a, is a, is a supremacist like Larry Elder when he ran against uh, Gavin Newsom who's just a terrible person Larry Elder he's a black supremacist he's the the black Ku Klux Klan leader I, I I've never heard of such garbage in my life I've, I've never heard this it's it's the craziest thing it really is I mean unbelievable people who want change and don't want to, to uh, go with the narrative of, of the left You're just, they're just answer they're, they just tell racist. Racist, 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 racist. That's just like their 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 answer to everything. You don't want to get vaccinated, you're racist. You don't want to wear a mask, you're racist. It's 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 the most ridiculous thing. When is someone yeah. just going to stand up to this? You know, it's it's very crazy. 
It's well, the you have thing. to, you're talking about, and, and the attack is to a Larry Elder or anyone like that, or a Tim Scott or anybody yeah. like that, is right. that we actually just care for families. Right. We actually want safety for every American. We want, right. um, we want businesses to flourish. We believe in the prosperity of America. We want every single American to live the very best life. And if that makes me a racist, so be it. But that's actually what we're, that's all. And we don't think that we need um, government to participate in every aspect of our lives to achieve. That America has created a wonderful, wonderful, exceptional permission structure for every single American on this soil to self-determine. And we just want to fully take advantage of that. That's our only message. Right. Well, what people also forget, I mean, you know, I was only 11, 12 years old at the 9-11, but I'm sure you remember how people were such pro-police and pro-law enforcement after 9-11. What, what, what happened? You know, we, you ask yourself, what happened? When did the police all of a sudden become, uh, liking police became racist and standing with law enforcement and wanting safe neighborhoods and more police? And, um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that actually, when I worked in uh, EMS and the FDNY, I, I actually worked in a lot of public housing in my area. And these these people, they they want police. They want police. They they want you know they they want to just live their lives. They want protection. It's it's the latte liberals who live in the affluent neighborhoods, like you said. They they think that the minorities, working class minorities, don't want police, but they're very highly mistaken. And who are they to even speak for them? Is what I want to know. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you have to be willing to actually speak to people, not speak for them, but actually have conversations, spend time with your neighbors within your within your district. And so there's an opportunity there for literally all of us, no matter how you identify politically, we have to decide that my core bubble, right, my community's community's bubble isn't enough to dictate an entire narrative is that I'm a part of a entire district. And so I actually have to care as a black American, what's going on in the Jewish community within my district and the Somali community within my district and the Hmong community and the Ukrainian right. district and, and so forth and so on. And until everyone collectively decides to come together, um, leadership like Ilhan Omar will continue um, to prevail. And we simply can't afford it in this country. Well, I don't know if you see what's going on in NYC, but you know your 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 um, constituents in Minneapolis—they want more police. But it seems that we just elected a new DA in Manhattan who was anti-police and um, is not prosecuting any really crimes that are disgusting, like um, crimes against children. Uh, you know, uh, if you shoot somebody, you get cashless bail. You stab somebody, you get cashless bail. It's actually going back to like the 1980s and 70s in New York over here. I, I don't know what's going on. Mm, I have yeah. been watching. Um, and I think that we need to be able to, when I say we, I mean leadership. I mean, those of us who are running as candidates, we have to be able to turn to um, citizens and say, hey, just so you know, you know what, you have to participate in this with me. Yes, I'm vying for your vote. And yes, I need your financial support. And I need your endorsement. I need you to talk about me. But you have to join me. And you have to take some responsibility and realize that your vote 
is, you know, the results you're seeing is because of the votes you're casting. And you can absolutely change it by going into that ballot box and changing your vote and holding leaders accountable. We have to get to a point where we're not so emotional, where we are led by the media, um, which is only, you know, reflective one way. It's, a, it's the media right now is full of, as I like to think about, um, is full of really just left-wing activists. Um, who they're not impartial, um, they're completely biased. And so we can't be led by our emotions. We actually have to find out what leaders really stand for and if they truly have the best interests of the people of their district in mind. You have to grill them, make them earn it. But right now we're actually suffering the results because of that high emotion. And now people are realizing, and I do believe that in 10 months or so, they'll change their vote if they, if we continue in this trajectory. Yeah. Well, so like when you say about the media, they're all, they're all like biases and stuff. So like you have people like Joy Reid, right? She's a, she's a black woman living in America. She's pretty rich, right? You would say she's wealthy. Mm -hmm. She makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And she actually has like the, the, the audacity to say on national TV, she, it's, she, she's afraid and it's hard to be a, a black woman living in America. Do you, do you feel the, the same way as as Joy Reid, you know, as a as a black woman living in America, do you feel that you're afraid to live here? That the police are always looking for you, and you're 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 living in fear every day. I, I don't get that vibe from you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will say it is hard to be a black woman in America simply because I'm conservative. <laughs> right. Well, yes, of but course. Certainly of course. not because being, I'm haunted. Right. Being yeah. conservative, but not just because you exist in America. Right. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. There's right. no right. better place, as a matter of fact, there's right. no better place than America right. to be black. There's no better place than America or on the globe to be Correct. a person of color Correct. because of our wonderful principles. And so, you know, we have to be able to acknowledge that, that we're not more racist than we were um, since the Jim Crow era. Right. We've actually made significant progress and it's been wonderful. You're able to marry who you'd like to marry, live right. in the neighborhood where you'd like to live. Your earning potential is completely up to you and your outcome and your determination will determine your outcome in life and how successful you'd like to be. The ability to self-determine is something that is completely American. Everyone has that opportunity. And so we need to get to a point where we acknowledge that and acknowledge America's history in its entirety, in its full entirety. And if you do that, you'll recognize that many, many, many Black Americans in the roughest, most ridiculous times found a way to succeed. You know, you have a Booker T. Washington and a, and a Frederick Douglass. Let's tell you, their you, stories. You took the words you know? right out of my mouth. What about Colin yeah. Powell, who grew up in East Harlem, Jamaican immigrant parents, and he became who he, who he was. That's the perfect example right there. He went to public school. He did what he had to do. And there you go. Colin Powell, Absolutely. modern day, modern day black American who, you know, did. And, and when he grew up, racism was at an all time high in America. I mean, Absolutely. come on, right? I mean, Absolutely. He grew up in Jim Crow where, where, yes. where discrimination was legal. Okay? Yes. The, yes. Yes. Discrimination and these terrible policies were actually Correct. the law of the land. And Correct. so he found a way. And if it can be done once, it can be done again. And well, so we have we're living that right, right now. Right. Right. I think Democrats actually need to open up a history book and they need to remember who wrote the Jim Crow laws, who started the KKK, who shot Abraham Lincoln. They were all Democrats. Sorry to uh, give them that history lesson, but that's that's the truth. That's the cold, hard truth. But, you know, they forget that. They forget those uh, those little uh, key things. But um, one last question. 
I know you have, I, I only have you for a little bit of time. What's the roadmap? Oh, you're doing to, great. I know. What's the roadmap to victory for Cicely Davis? Tell me. Absolutely. So um, right now, like I said, is that um, this is a pivotal time. And so the constituency here, they need to make change. We can make history out of CD5 Minnesota and change the narrative. They need to go vote for me in November. What we're going to do is uh, we're going to reach across the aisle and we're going to ask the people of this district if they are doing better. If they like paying more at the gas pump, if they like the inflation rates at 7% only doomed to go higher, if they like not feeling safe and standing at the bus stop and, and being carjacked, if they enjoy that, then by all means, keep Ilhan Omar in office. If they want change and they want to change the narrative out of Minnesota, um, particularly in this district, then they need to vote for Cicely Davis. So my, my, my plan is to just simply go to the people, ask them how they feel, get them to understand that the way they voting has dictated the policies. They have an opportunity to change the policy, change the outcomes. And I believe if we can just do that and have real honest conversations, um, we can change it. We can change the headlines coming out of this district. We can make history and we can change and, and go forward um, being a really, really exceptional um, headline making uh, district out of Minnesota here. I believe I'll be victorious with that kind of a plan going forward in November. And where can we find you? Websites, donate, please tell, please tell our listeners. Yes, it's cicelydavis.com. That's C-I-C-E-L-Y davis.com. Great. Cicely, thank you for your time. It was a pleasure. You're very educated. I think you got a real big shot because the Democrats are drowning, especially they can thank <laughs> Joe Biden for that. We need Absolutely. people like you in our Congress and Senate. You need to go further than Congress if you win. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your support to your listeners and your viewers.